Welcome to Books, Stories, People, with me, Nancy Richards. Twenty-six young South African poets are collectively responsible for the work in a book called Yesterdays and Imagining Realities, an anthology of South African poetry. But it's actually been the work of a broader range of people, not least the IFSA, that's the French Institute of South Africa, and Total SA, who commissioned it, but also Impepo Press, the pan-Africanist intersectional feminist publishing house who produced it, as well as Impepo owner, poet Vangile Gancho. And over and above all that were the selection panel and the translators. The book is going to be launched on Sunday, the 21st of March, which, as it happens, is World Poetry Day, as well as Human Rights Day here in South Africa. So how did all these ingredients come together, and what is the meaning of the title? I spoke to project coordinator Frankie Murray, who explained. In terms of the actual title, the whole project grew out of Africa 2020, which was um, driven by France with a focus on the continent that was supposed to take place over the course of 2020. The pandemic kind of got in the way, everything got delayed, but the French Institute in South Africa wanted to resonate with that, that, pro- with that whole f- uh, cultural time. And one of the things that they isolated that they really wanted to do was to produce this anthology. And one of the themes of Africa 2020 had to do with archiving and understanding our history in order to think about our future. And so when we were talking about this actual anthology, central to that was the idea of the importance of our past if we are going to imagine a way for ourselves to live successfully, happily, uh, differently um, in the future. And so that's how the, the title came together. It's a little bit of a mouthful, but I think that to try and simplify it would be to lose something. Um, it's, it's got layers very similar to the, the beautiful cover itself. You know, all of these, these layers, it's almost like a palimpsest. Um, so I, I really like that idea. I hope that answers your question. It certainly does, because it's a bit like poetry itself. That you know, those words are there, are there presented to um, encourage the person, or not encourage it, sort of force a person in a way to think about w- the meaning behind it. Yes. Just want to be clear about Africa 2020, and I think mm. one of the things about the French Institute of South Africa is that they're very big on cultural matters here. What's you know part of the part of the francophone uh. Uh, issue? Can you explain that? Well, I think I've I've worked on again, off again with the French Institute in South Africa for years, and they've always been an incredible group to work with. They support cultural projects, I think, because central to almost a French identity is this value placed on culture, on identity, on playing around with those ideas, on collaborating. And I think that's certainly my experience of working with the French Institute in South Africa, it is very much a collaboration um, that's in mind and trying as far as possible uh, to be sensitive to what's happening on the ground um, and an openness to trying to do things better or differently or take new ideas on board. So it's it's really, it's, it's one of those organizations that's a privilege to work with and on top of the work being quite complex at times, you're able to have quite a lot of fun. You can play with ideas. And that to me is the why I stay in this this kind of area, why I want to stay in this kind of area, because 
you know, you're doing all of this thinking and it's sometimes hard and it's sometimes soul destroying and you're like so angry or, you know, whatever. But on the flip side, you've got this, oh my God, this is why we're alive. This is what it means to be human. Well, cultural matters are very much which is why we're alive. It's what ah. gives us our soul. And sometimes it's one of the things that gets a, it goes flies a little bit under the radar here in South Africa. So it's good that the French Institute is actually encouraging us to think, I think about it. I think on the one hand, what you're saying is right. It flies kind of under the radar. I think it flies under the radar in terms of its support from government. In terms of people on the ground, I don't think that for a moment you can say that culture is flying under the radar. It's... It's up everywhere. It's it's how we're getting through this. It's how we're making sense of the craziness that is this time. Um, without our artists pulling the the kind of life that we're all kind of just dragging ourselves through at the moment, fighting through, without our artists to kind of concretize that, I think that for many people it becomes quite tricky to even understand how to talk about it, how to cope with mental health issues, for instance. Uh, to me, that's one of the, the core values of, of the creative world, that it helps us to understand where we are. Yeah, perhaps now more than ever. Exactly. The pandemic has forced people mm. to go to places in within that they've never been before, as mm. individuals, but also as collectives, mm. which brings us straight to the poets. I, I managed not to sidetrack us too much no, then. No, and I'm, I, I'm loving that you did it for me to get us straight there to this underground world, This not even underground world, but this, this whole world of poets, of wordsmiths, mm. of people who are discovering all sorts of things, young poets, I mean, mm. young poets, the very two words sort of create little sparks of electricity. Mm. So I'm thinking that of all the young people who are writing poetry in this country, mm. that it was uh, possible to find just 26 or narrow it down to 26 yeah. must have been epic. Yeah, so you have no idea. <laughs> I, oh. can, I can only but take a All guess. Right, <laughs> so between you and Impepo um, Press mm. and Vangile Gancho, who is mama poet mm. in this particular instance, how were these young people found and narrowed down to just 26? So initially the idea was to kind of continue that resonance with the 2020. We were only going to pick 20 poems. Um, very early on in the project, we decided, no, that's impossible. Let's push that up to 30. And I think that with additional budget, we probably would have gone even further. Um, but the whole project took place quite quickly. So it was like from August-ish through to Poetry Africa when we announced who the people were that had been selected. So it was a very tight time frame that we were working with. But basically, we, we put the call out um, using social media. We also got in touch with media houses as well. But I think that most people found out about the, the call via Facebook or Instagram. And what was the call? It was basically to submit a completely original poem in any of the South African languages. Um, it could be a maximum of three pages. And it needed to be in a particular font and, you know, the, the usual things. But crucial, it was something that had to be completely original. It couldn't be on social media even. And it was, it was also integral to the whole process that any South African language would be welcomed. And it was open to uh, poets under the age of 30 who needed to be resident in South Africa. 
So there was no particular theme you just wanted to you No, the, the, theme, the theme was very much to do with the, the title itself. Okay, so, so it was asking people. Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we listed um, in a more detailed way the kinds of things that, that you could consider. Not, not to be prescriptive, like you must write like this, um, but here are some pointers to kind of prompt you in the right direction. Yeah, so we, we put the call out and... You know, those poems were trickling out or trickling through to my inbox, trickling through, trickling through. And then that last day, and I, you know, as I was watching my inbox, I was thinking, I'm working with poets. Yes, they're going to leave everything till the last minute. <laughs> Lo and behold, my inbox suddenly turned into this, this monster. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and we ended up with just under 400 entries. Wow which is phenomenal and i don't i don't know that any of us including the judging panel was really ready for that the the judging itself we had set aside a two-hour zoom meeting with all all of the judges um to kind of put together their shortlists and wrangle with each other over the finalists um so they'd, they'd all had the material for you know a few weeks and the two hours stretched into three, into four, and eventually, seven hours later, they had the final list. Um, well, it's not quick to write a poem, and it's not quick to judge a poem. Yeah. And especially if there's a, a group of you. Yeah. So there were two themes, really. There was the, there was the yesterday's aspect. Mm. There was the historical moments mm. that related to mm. a, each individual poet. But there was also the hopes for the future. Mm. Or, or the... It's, in, in some cases, it, it does feel a bit dystopian, which I think speaks to where we are at the moment. Um, so it's not like it's not always that it, you pick up one of the poems and you you feel optimistic. It, it would be un, unreasonable, I think, to expect any collection coming out of South Africa to be full of optimism. Um, I think that would be a very contrived collection, personally. So there's there's certainly darkness that's also captured in in this anthology. Yes, I bet there is, but hopefully mm. some light as well. Yes, hopefully absolutely. Some hope, like from Pandora's mm. box. But I'm interested in the yesterdays. I'm interested mm. in what it was that young people focused on that had meant something to them, because you know memories are very short, mm. and young people are very busy with now to perhaps not be concentrating so much on what happened in the past, except for the the biggies that mm. we, we commemorate each and every year. There's, what, there's, what quite, there's quite a range. So there's some that refer to to what feels like their parents' generation caught in, in the apartheid regime, still in that space, um, which I think makes complete sense. There is some where it's, it's more of a personal history. This is, this is my own past that I'm reflecting on. There's some that feels more global, so there's one poem called Notre Dame, um, which brings in the burning. Um, so it, it really, it's, it's a bit of everything. And then I think that the, the kind of binary split that you've made between the past and, and the future, um, obviously the now is caught in that. Um, so it's, it's not really as binary as the title makes, could be um, interpreted as. So you've got a fair number of, of those poems as well, that there's a bit of the past, there's a bit of the future, but the, the focus really is on where are we now? You know, so the, there's, there's one poem called Smarty Town by Keith's, Keith Lewis. Is it Keith Lewis? That is a phenomenal look 
at Cape Town, growing up in Cape Town, well, not growing up, but like living in, in the war zone that Cape Town is for many people. You know, so there's there's some very, very powerful stuff that is speaking directly to the now, but without the past and without this eye on the future, what does the now even mean? I'm interested in those seven hours, <laughs> the selection hours, which must yeah. have been quite agonizing. Mm. And I'm sure there were many things on which you could all agree easily and lots of things that were very contentious. Yeah. Which were the ones that floated to the top and why? And were you working with them anonymously? Okay, so so when when the judges received the poetry packs, it was all anonymous. No one had a clue who who was the who the people were behind the words. Um, they all then spent time with with those poems, um, reading them repeatedly, and putting shortlists together. And then at the beginning of those seven hours, they brought their shortlists into one space, and they were absolutely poems that everyone agreed on. That wasn't really enough, though, because what became really important, I think, during that whole seven-hour, uh, I, I don't want to like stretch, epic, yes, but it, it, it's also, it feels like a ball. It's like the beginning of it and the, the, the end of it are almost in the same place. It's, it's very hard for me to describe it, but having been present for that entire seven-hour stretch, I feel like it's like a microcosm of the actual anthology that it's it's future it's it's past but it's also happening the whole time but what what vangila gancho and she she is an awesome person to be on this kind of adventure with yeah um as a poet as a poet as a person, as a person. um just the the mind that she brings to to everything you know there there are certain people who you meet who just have a lens on the world that is, I, it delights me that she she ha, is a person, that she is. And as a practitioner, somebody yeah, who knows yeah, what it is to write yeah, poetry uh, from the heart. Yeah, but she also, she she sees things holistically. And so, you know, when when the judges were talking through the poems to, to um, include, one of the things that she kept on bringing back was, what does this collection look like altogether? Um, how are the poems speaking to each other? And so it's not just around the, the poems that as, as themselves. It's also what are we pulling into this anthology with the conversations that the poems are having with each other. So there's, there's like a kind of meta-narrative as well. Can I just uh, segue into mm -hmm. the speaking of the poems? And the, mm. spe the poems were written in any one of the South Africa official South mm. African languages. Yeah. So how did they speak to the judges? Because not everybody would be when we were uh, choosing. With all the yeah, when we were choosing our, our judging panel, we tried to pay as much attention as possible to what languages they had access to themselves. Um, a number of the judges could speak more than one language. I think all of them could. Um, some more than like two or three languages, but not necessarily fluently. But they could get, they could read for understanding. And then during the during the actual judging thing, we just made sure that that understanding was clear. Once we had identified what languages had come through that judging process, we then reached out to translators who could work fluently between English and whatever other language we were looking at. Um, where possible, I think every time, apart from one one instance, 
we found uh, translators who are also poets themselves. Because to me, there's a certain sensibility that you've got to understand the value of rhythm and uh, the beauty of uh, how, how to really work a poem. Uh, it's not just a straight translation job. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we found, I think, uh, really good people to work with and ended up with five languages being represented, you know, which I think in a, it, it would be great to see even more but I think that then we would have had to actively drive the writing. We would almost have to do workshops in different languages, which I think would be an amazing project to be part of. But within the time frame that we had, within the budget that we had, it just wasn't possible. Well, you've got the ball rolling to continue your <laughs> snowball analogy. It seems like this, this whole project has many, many legs. Yes. I've got a vision of this snowball with lots of legs yeah. running down the hill, running up the hill um, very fast. That would be just, awesome. Just... On the issue of translation, mm. which is quite a contentious thing in mm. Amanda Gorman poem um, that was written, that the hill we climb, mm. that was written for you know the presidential mm. inauguration, that was has been very contentious in mm. terms of its translation. It's a very delicate thing to be translating somebody else's words, that, and I'm sure nobody, everybody was very cognizant of that. How did Absolutely. that process go? Um, you know, because each and every one of the poems is in its own language but also in English. Yeah. So it, it is that, that thing of like, why is English always the, the language that you go to? You know, why not one of the other, other languages, any other language? And it's, it's not something that you can just throw an answer at. To me, this is one of those things that you have a conversation about. In the end, we had to also just take on board what was happening with the French Institute. So, I mean, apart from anything else, the poems are also being translated into French, um, which will be a, an additional insert with the, the uh, sort of printed book, the printed anthology. But also just in terms of what's useful for the poets captured within these pages, I think that if they're going to take themselves seriously as poets, this is a very useful thing to have to be able to send their poems out to the world, to any journal, to any festival, and say, this is, this is one of the things that they, they've had that at least one poem well translated for what amounts to an international audience. Because, I mean, whether you agree with it or not, English is understood by a lot of people internationally. I mean, I kind of think that if I was going to get something translated into another language, I would almost choose Mandarin. Uh, well, you, know, you took like, the words out of my mouth yeah. and say English, French, Mandarin. Mm. Um, it seems to me that it's a huge privilege to have been a poet chosen for this book because not only have you had your, like, your, your poem <coughs> addressed by this uh, a very well-versed mm. collection, sorry, pardon the pun, a very well-versed collection of panel of uh, judges, but mm. it's also been translated into English and French. And I think one of the objectives of the French Institute is to bring South African culture, not just to itself, but to the world. Mm. So yeah, this has certainly had like an international drive behind it, you know, that this isn't something that we want to just see happening in South Africa. This is something that I think everyone who's been part of the project has been immensely proud to have been part of it, you know, that it, it feels like it's something that's got meaning attached to it right from the start. It's been thought through right from the start. It, like you were saying earlier, it feels like so much could have happened here and so much, you know, that that there are a whole lot of things that it feels like you could pick up 
and develop further. But the groundwork has been done, which I think is fantastic. The other thing is that at every stage, the French Institute have been wanting to, okay, how are we talking about it here? So after that initial call, we did the, the launch of Poetry Africa, the kind of not launch, but the um, letting the world know who was included. Now we're working on the launch that will happen at Time of the Writer. And then ideally, um, depending on the pandemic, of course, we want to do a live face-to-face -face launch, um, hopefully in April. You know, so to try to really try and celebrate what what this means. What are the best ways of celebrating poet, uh, poetry or poems? In fact, somebody once said um, that a poem is not a poem until somebody else has received it through their ears. Yeah. And one of the best ways of, of poetry, of, of receiving poetry, is to hear somebody else say it. Mm, absolutely. And, and I know that's a whole another story, mm. is the performance poet, the mm. delivered poetry. Um, but these 26 young poets... I'm not sure how much you know about each and every one of them. I'm sure that mm. there's a little bit of a bio that goes with mm. I'm sure they've got huge bios. Mm. But are they, are they amateur poets, professional poets, published poets, I think some, poets? some of the, the names are certainly ones that if you are a poetry fan, you'll recognize. Others, I've, I've, you know, the, this is the first time that I've heard them. Um, so I feel like it's, it's a nice range. There's certainly people who... You, you can tell from the video content that they've sent through that that they have got of them speaking their poetry. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, that that they have got experience behind a mic, say, which is fantastic. But I, you know, so I, I, I like I like that range. I, I like the fact that it's pulled from all all over the place. I don't know how how well um, how well equipped you are to be delivering poetry but and it's a really <laughs> unfair question to ask you <laughs> what you know of these if you have any favorites and I'm sure you have many favorites for mm. different reasons but mm. any of them jump out at you um, I mentioned you could just read us a few lines uh, okay well I, I mentioned um, the Keith Lewis poetry earlier uh, the reason I think that really stuck with me apart from it being beautifully written it's all in the city that I live in. Um, so it, it really, it, it, I recognize it. It, it like, it echoes in my bones. It's, it's I, I think, amazing poetry. And then Busisiwe Mahlangu, her poetry is, is superb. It really is. And I think that she's going to be, I think she already is one of those poets that you, you can't walk away from. If she once she opens her mouth, you just stay there. You're trapped. It is so powerful. What's it about? Um, she's got two poems uh, in this anthology. The one is called "A Portrait of My Father in the Afterlife," and I'm just trying to remember the, the name of the second. It's 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 almost it balances. It's it's to do with her her mother, but I the the name escapes me right now. But I mean the the "A Portrait of My Father in the Afterlife." Just to give you a taste, mm. um, I'll read it, but uh, I apologize to Busisiwa in advance. Um, my father's face taught me how to see danger unfold. Eyes hold a fire first, raging out of control. The nose feels uncomfortable warmth. It burns the skin meeting at its sides. The cheeks dry out, the furrowed folding rankled. The mouth open, speaking and smiling. His mouth is the last location of danger. This is the destination, 
This is where he will arrive to break himself and cut into us with the pieces. Mm. I've got the, the goose pimples. Yes, like, so, yes so, so have I, and there's obviously so much more mm. there. Yeah. And what makes me think, this, this whole book makes me think that it needs to, it's a vehicle for other people to appreciate what's, you know, what talent we have and mm. what's going on, what's mm. going on in the minds of young people here. But it's also potentially a huge inspiration for other young people because exactly. poetry is a wonderful way of expressing thoughts that you mm. can't otherwise deal with. Mm. Is it going to go into schools? What are, what's one one hopes. Um, you know, and Purple Press is the publishing partner for the anthology and you can you can get the book through them and I know that they're trying to get it into bookshops. As with any small press, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to just like throw books out into the world. You've got to have those relationships in place. Um, I think that one of the, the things that's actually amazing about this past year is that suddenly local versus international stages, they don't necessarily hold true anymore. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that with the ability for people to connect with, with this kind of event digitally, that, that the anthology, that the poets included in it, that those voices, that they, they can enter an international stage in a way that they wouldn't have been able to say a year and a half ago. Um, and that people with that connection will also want to, want to have the book so that they can spend more time with the words. Because I mean, what you were saying, that a poem needs to exist in, in, your, in sound. I think that after you've heard it, being able to spend time with those words in front of you before hearing it again is a very valuable one. And I think that for me, it's one of the things that's often missing from spoken word, that you have that initial performance, which is often so powerful that the two are interconnected. You can't have one without the other, but you also, a lot of the time, you're not able to have one without the other because there isn't a written form that you can go and look at necessarily. Yeah, sometimes the performance can overshadow the poem. Sometimes it can, yeah. In this particular instance, it's going to, this book, uh, Yesterday's in Imagining Realities, an anthology of South African poetry, and I, I read in the book that anthology in Greek means a bunch of flowers. Could that possibly be I should true? have brought you an, antho an, an anthology. Yes, you should. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> but we have, the, we have the printed anthology, and it's going to be launched at the time of the Writer Festival, yes, which yeah. starts the 15th of March. Today. And I think today. Starting today. And it's going to be on World Poetry Day, yeah. which yeah. is also South African Human Rights Day, yeah. which is an extraordinary... Um, Confluence. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And just very briefly, are there many poems that that confront, that address human rights, would you say? Um, yeah, yeah, uh, not, not necessarily in that here's the solution. Yeah. But what I was saying about a lot of the, the poems being in that in-between past and future, living in the now, there's a lot that's pulling uh, service delivery or some of the, the very real challenges that many people live with yeah, so yeah. There, there's certainly that kind of... A lot to be learned, yeah. in other words. Yeah, absolutely. So on the 21st, um, yeah. World Poetry mm -hmm. Day, which is being celebrated, it's also the end of the time of the Writer Festival. Yes. What will happen? Um, we've invited two of the poets to do live readings. Linda Koama, who you may know, a mm. literary vlogger and someone who I love to work with, 
she's going to be moderating the conversation. Um, so she's been she's been reading the the book and uh, listening to some of the video content that the poets have sent through. Yeah, so she'll she'll be introducing the the other panelists and also asking them questions. Um, others involved will be Vangila Gancho from Purple Press, who is also one of the judges, and Sabelo Soko, who was one of the translators to the project. Um, he was doing Zizulu. And he's, his poetry, I mean, if you've got an opportunity, certainly worthwhile having a search on YouTube. He's, he's a phenomenal poet himself. Well, now that you've brought us to YouTube, let me, I think if anybody would like to witness mm. the, um, the actual launch of the book, they can go to the website, which is tow.ukzn.ac.za. Mm-hmm. Go there, have a look at the program because mm. there's a huge amount of stuff happening yeah. on the time of the writer, which I'm hoping will be available even after the festival. But they they will be keeping the recordings live for a while. I'm not sure how long though, um, but otherwise, all of the streaming is taking place on the on their website. You'll be able to get the links, but I think mostly on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Um, it'll also be on the French Institute Facebook page and on the Unpeople Press. The best thing is to get the book. Yes. Because poetry yes. can that way last forever. Exactly. But it doesn't have to be an either or. You know, you can do both. It doesn't have to be binary, as, yeah. you, as you quite rightly say. <laughs> Frankie Murray, thank you so much. Very best of luck. Very last question. Do you write poetry? Uh, once upon a time I did. It was terrible. <laughs> the world is lucky. <laughs> That's a very honest answer, bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks for telling us all about yesterday's and imagining realities, an anthology of South African poetry.